Hello and welcome back to the Father Time Podcast. This is season one. This is episode four. We've been talking about having a regular family Bible time or family devotionals with our families and how we need to step up as fathers and do that. Not just that, but in many ways, stepping up and leading our families as our hopefully our goal is to uh, help our families get to heaven. So we've been talking about that all season long. This is a podcast by fathers for fathers. And again, we have that goal of helping our families get to heaven. I'm one of your hosts, Chase Green. We also have Scott Kane and Matt McBrayer with us as well. Again, appreciate you guys for uh, joining in and giving, uh, giving us your thoughts about all these matters. And uh, if you'll remember last month, guys, we talked about the idea that truly being the father that God intends for us to be is going to take time. And so that's kind of a big emphasis of the Father Time podcast. We certainly have to put in the time, put in the effort to uh, be the fathers that he would have us to be. This month, we're going to talk about some common pitfalls that uh, may interfere with putting in that time. And we're going to talk about hopefully some pointers that will help us to make sure and step up and uh, have a faithful family Bible time routine. And uh, with that, before we go into that discussion, I've asked Matt if he would to uh, begin our episode this month with a quick devotional thought for fathers. And so we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. It says, watch ye stand fast in the faith, but you like men be strong. And I want to look at this with the idea of you need to be a man for your family. And so the very first thing that we see in this passage, it says, watch ye. So you need to be awake. You need to be watchful. You need to be prepared. And so that that is something that everybody wants to do in life. You want to be prepared for any given situation. You want to be prepared to protect your family. You're gonna you're gonna maybe you know get an alarm system on your house. Maybe you know have a, a weapon or something that you have trained with. You know all those things are are good. Um, but you, you want to be prepared when it comes to spiritual things. How are you going to do that? You got to be prepared uh, for things to come up, which means you're going to have to prepare. Uh, by studying the word of God. Now, as we think about that, it says, watch ye stand fast in the faith. Now, I think that this really goes along with that idea of studying because the, the idea of standing fast is to hold one's ground, uh, to maintain a position. And so uh, I think there's a few ways in which a, a dad, a father, a husband can do this. And so if you're going to stand fast in the faith, the first thing you got to do is you got to start with yourself. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, the study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling aright the word of truth. So you've got to handle aright the word of truth. That means that you are making sure that what you're, what you're understanding is right and good. So you start with yourself. You, you start figuring out what you need to do with your own life. And then, and that kind of needs to, go out to others. Now, maybe maybe some people's thoughts, well, well, okay, so if I'm if I'm a father, maybe I start next to my children. No, you need to start by being a better husband. In Colossians 3, verses 18, 19, it says, wives be in subjection to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You know, something that we don't like to do as men is we don't like to go to counseling. We don't want help from somebody else. We want to do things on our own. And, uh, you know, there are some counseling benefits. But, you know, women oftentimes, you know, go to counseling and complain about not being loved in some form or fashion. Uh, men go and they complain uh, a lot of times about the sexual component of marriage. But, you know, men... If you make her feel loved, things kind of fall in place. And so when you think about these things, how do you love your wife? Now, how are you going to do that? Um, I think also this starts with spiritual things. You need to pray with your wife. You need to read the Bible with your wife. You need to discuss issues openly, focusing on how God would approve or disapprove in a situation. And so you've got to be a better husband. And then also, you have to be a good father. In Ephesians 6 and verse 4, we've mentioned these passages frequently. Fathers, provoke not your children wrath, but nurture them in the chastening and admonition of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7, thou shalt teach them 
diligently unto thy children, shall talk about them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And so, you know, that's uh, leads leads to things like having Bible time and and uh, spending time with with your family. And so you need to be a good example of a spiritual man in your family. All right, then let's go on to the phrase, put you like men. You got to be courageous. You got to, you know, possess the qualities befitting man. Uh, you need to take care of your God-given responsibilities. You know, First um, Timothy 5, verse 8 says, But if any provideth not for his own, and specifically his own household, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, so a man is supposed to take care of his family. And in the context, this is uh, talking about widows. He needs, to, he needs to take care of his family. Um, also, that means that we're not going to back down. Uh, this world is trying to tell you what your job is and what your job is not as a man. Uh, we're not going to need to back down from that. We need to just follow what the scriptures say and and be be strong in that. And so that leads us to the next thing. So quit you like men. Be strong. You know, this is the idea, literally, of course, being strong, being powerful. Uh, there are lots of biblical examples of strength. Uh, you think of physical strength. Um, I think, obviously, we think about Samson. We may even uh, lump some other people in there, David, Caleb, Joshua, Jonathan. You can name off a bunch of different guys that you thought, well, these are, are you know, manly men, if you will. Um, but more than that, more than being strong physically, we need to be strong spiritually. Think about spiritual examples of, of that. I, you know, I cannot uh, read my Bible without thinking of strong spiritual examples of men uh, like Paul and like Peter and like Abraham, uh, Samuel. You can think of all these different men that they were strong, both um, you know, in, in mind and body. But the thing is, is that just focus on that spiritual aspect. In Ephesians 6 and verse 10, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. You know, it's not about it's not about our might. We need to be strong in the Lord and rely on the strength of the Lord. In Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, wife and children look to see how a husband or dad responds to certain events if something happens they're going to look to dad and see how is dad taking this if dad is acting out of character you know they're going to act out of character if dad is flying off the handle guess what they're going to do but you know what if if uh, you're in an adverse situation and you are calm and collected then uh, you you know that your children and your wife are going to feed off that and they're going to be calm and they're going to be collected. And then I think last but not least, if we're going to be strong, uh, we need to be strong in our purity. And I think about Job 31 verse 1, you know, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. How then should I look upon a maid? Uh, we need to be uh, strong in our purity. And I think when we get all these things together and we look at uh, just kind of lump it all together, then we're going to be good men for our family. We're going to lead our families uh, into spiritual prosperity. And so yeah, that's what I got for you today. I hope that helps somebody. And that was really good. Um, that that kind of reminds me of the weight of the matter. You know, I mean, why are we doing this podcast? Because it is such a serious, serious task that God has given us as fathers. And, um, you know, we need to do our best to measure up to what he would have us to be. Scott, you have any thoughts on on uh, Matt's devotional thoughts? Well, it really leads into something that we've discussed for the future, and it's the idea of man up. Uh, yep. That's really short and sweet. Uh, what Matt just had to say was man up, but he went into the specific ways to do it. Um, can't be the the leader of the home if I'm not willing to accept that that is the the role that's been given and the details of how to how to carry out that role. So, thank you, Matt, very much. Yeah, a lot of this comes back down to responsibility. God has has placed a lot of responsibility squarely on our shoulders as as men and as fathers and husbands. So, really appreciate you know some of the things that you brought out, Matt. One of the things that you talked about was you know if a man does not take care of his own, he's worse than an infidel or worse than an unbeliever. Guys, I, I kind of want to open this up just for a moment to think about this. 
do you think that some men take that responsibility, you know, the provision part of, uh, of being a father and a husband and they emphasize that, but then they neglect the spiritual provision. You think that sometimes men will, will do that? I can guarantee it. Yeah. Um, in counseling with couples, one of the things that is great to ask of him and of her, uh, who is your model for the husband that you want to be? And why is this person the model of the husband that you want to be? And roughly 90% of the time, the, the man that's intending to be the groom uh, the or the husband whose whose marriage needs some help will identify that his model for the husband he wants to be was someone that was a great provider. Oh, he just he provided for his wife and for his children. He was a provider and he fixates on the provider aspects aspect and fails to recognize so much more of what his wife actually needs um, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Uh, so, yes, that question of, you know, if a man provide not for his home especially those of his own house, there are many that that focus on the providing. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to put food on the table. I've got to put clothes on their backs and they stop at that. And there's, there, there is more to it. Do you think that maybe that kind of comes in with the immediate needs of, you know, the physical things that we're supposed to provide and God has put that within us that we have to be that primary provider in, in a family. And so we're wanting to take care of those immediate needs but maybe we're short-sighted in that we don't look to the end goal, you know, the end of our lives and, and, and what the, the goal should be. And that is to, to be in heaven with God one day. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, I think that it's really easy to forget about spiritual things. Um, we shouldn't, but it, it's really easy to do that because it's not right there in front of us. If you've got a door hanging off the hinges, you know, you can fix that because you see it. You know, uh, things that you see with your eyes that you can, you know, touch and feel, you know, with your hands, you know, you, you, you can see that and go, oh, I need to, I need to handle that. Um, but sometimes people really realize that spiritual things, their importance, they, they, they see that they've missed the boat later on after it's not really too late, but sometimes things are pretty far gone by that point. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think sometimes, like you're saying, people do see problems because they have not stepped up as spiritual leaders in their homes. And and this can go for both parents. But again, especially the onus is on us as fathers and and husbands. But um, I think sometimes people see warning signs of things that's going on in the family, maybe some things that, that their kids have picked up from their friends that are not good, right? But instead of correcting the root of the problem they just want to sweep it under the rug or they just want to keep going with the status quo and problems just get worse and worse rather than uh, maybe we need to put more emphasis on the right kinds of things the the spiritual things that god would have us to focus on yeah and what you're describing there chase a lot of times they try to treat the symptoms instead of the sickness Uh, maybe it's the habits or behaviors that they've learned from friends and down the road, you have parents that will say things such as, well, we we had them in church. We don't know what went wrong. Well, that might be what went wrong. We had them in church, but we didn't have them in the Bible. We had them in church, but we didn't have them in God and we didn't instill God in them. Um, there, There is more to it than just a, a monotonous. We have to be in services on Sunday. And again, it's a a true focus on spiritual things. Colossians three, set your affections on things above where Christ sit at the right hand of God, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. But when, when that focus on providing, well, we put a roof over their head, clothes on their backs, food on the table. We took them to their sports events. We took them to this. We took them to that, to that. We took them on vacations. Okay. How often did we take them not only to a worship service, but to the book? How often did we take them to the foot of the cross how often did we take them to the pinnacle of Horeb? How often did we take them to to Jerusalem and let them 
see a society fall apart? How often did we take them to uh, Corinth and see a congregation that needed fixed? How often do we take them to the book and let them see how it really applies in life? Those are the parents that are less likely to be saying, well, we we don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, children have to make their own decisions as they mature. But but when we do more than just status quo, then then those decisions are entirely theirs. And we don't have to look back thinking, well, what did I do wrong? Because right. we know we've done as best we could to do it right. Yeah. You know, uh, we had them there every time the doors were opened. Well, that's great. Yeah. But that's just a part of it. Why were they there? You know, how were you molding their hearts for the Lord as they were there? And, you know, I think I've got this in my notes for later. But if if we think that just having them there on Sunday and Wednesday and having them in the Bible classes, if we think that's enough, we've completely missed the boat. Uh, We've got to do much, much more at home. Than, than just what's taking place a few hours a week uh, at the worship services. So, yeah, that, that presence with the church is that's what Christians do. Um, and while it's vital to helping us become the Christians we ought to be, uh, Christianity is not necessarily learned by osmosis. Uh, and there, there are those that that need it instilled with much more effort than just being in near proximity. Really appreciate your thoughts, Matt. You uh, stimulated a lot of good discussion there. So uh, very encouraging devotional for us, uh, for me personally, and hopefully for all of our listeners uh, as well. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into our main discussion for uh, this month's episode. And so what we want to talk about again is common pitfalls to uh, regularly having family Bible time or devotionals. And also some pointers for making sure that we as fathers stick with it. We don't just uh, throw in the towel, so to speak. So let's face it, guys. Uh, when we asked the question earlier in the season uh, in the survey about families and whether or not that they had actually sat down with God's Word uh, growing up, most said that they did not have parents who emphasized that growing up. They, they didn't really gather around the table at dinner time and discuss God's word or things like that. But uh, most of them did desire to do so. And some of them said that they were doing so, which is great. But again, kind of the purpose of this first season of Father Time is we want to encourage more families to step up and do this uh, every night on a nightly basis or uh, mornings or what have you with their families and uh, make sure that we're emphasizing getting in the word like we're talking about. So maybe this is new territory for some of our uh, listeners on the podcast. As with anything new, uh, when something is new and and uncommon or unfamiliar, certainly there's going to be some difficulties in uh, getting started in uh, maybe some awkwardness that is there, et cetera. And we've talked about that quite a bit in prior episodes. But uh, I guess how would you encourage our listeners on this, Matt and Scott? Uh, what are some pointers that you would have to make sure that we don't, um, first of all, to make sure that we go ahead and get started, but then also uh, don't get in a rut, don't you know, fall out two or three weeks later, et cetera? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, there are things that take time. You know, Rome wasn't built in the day. It took Noah 100 years or more to build the ark and the father didn't send the son to die for sins the day after the first sin took place. Some things take time. When it comes to leading a family Bible time, don't expect to perfection from the very start. Don't expect to feel like a pro and a champ and man, I've got this figured out from the first night. Expect mistakes. Expect to learn that you have more to learn. Expect to see as many shortcomings and areas for growth in yourself as you do for anyone else in the family. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain to wise counsels. The wise realize they don't know it all. There's more to learn. And when we go into it expecting to learn as much or more than anyone else in the family, it can become exciting. 
it can become enjoyable. But if we approach it as a chore or a task, then we will be more likely to fall into a rut. If we approach it as some kind of daunting, insurmountable mountain, instead of just getting past some of the speed bumps and mole hills of, that arise with anything getting started, uh, then, then we'll have a wrong view. But if we just look at it in terms of, hey, we're getting started, it's going to be a learning process, let's learn together. That's the mindset that has to be there, and everything else can can move forward from that. Yeah, I, I agree with that uh, completely. So, uh, you know, getting started, you think about the pioneers uh, in our nation's history. What if they had said, well, you know, nobody's ever gone out west before, and so uh, I don't think we should do that. Well, if that were the case, then uh, mm-hmm. our country would not be nearly what it is today. And so there's always got to be a starting point. There's always got to be uh, maybe when it comes to generations with within uh, the church, well, we didn't do this. You know, my parents didn't do this. My grandparents didn't do this. Well, you need to do this. If you want to continue to see generational faithfulness, I'm convinced that this is one of the priorities that is going to grace greatly increase our odds of of keeping faithful children. You got to get started. And so just have that mindset of okay, we're going to do this and then do it. It's just a matter of doing it at that point. What do you got, Matt? Yeah, I, I like that example of the the pioneers. I mean, if you think about that, they had to deal with a lot of stuff when they started moving out west. Um anytime you settle an area, you're going to deal with the local habitation um you know there's a lot of animals that uh were new to people coming out of city life and coming into an area where there's just all these different kinds of animals so there's some danger to it um but you know they you have to overcome that and so like this same the same thing with these with starting a bible time there's going to be some you know things that come up there's going to be some things that, you know, might make it scary, uh, but new things can be exciting or scary, but we have to determine our attitude from the beginning, which one we're going to do. We're going to be excited. Or we're going to be scared. Um, uh, just thinking about uh, the idea of, of you don't need to know all of the answers. You don't need to do that. I, I have in the past been afraid of that with, doing a Bible study with somebody and you're, you're trying to, you know, teach them the scriptures. You want to help them come to salvation. And, you know, you, when you start doing that, you go, Oh man, I, I hope that I can answer all of their questions. I've actually found that it's better when you can't answer all of their questions and like, Oh, we're studying this together. Um, that kind of a mindset. Of course, you know, after a while, you no longer can do that. You you are uh, skilled enough that you can answer you know all these various aspects of their questions. Uh, but it tends to go a little bit easier when you can't for some reason. Uh, same thing, you know. Uh, and it's interesting too because I'm I uh, I started a new work in January, and I am in the most inquisitive congregation I have ever been in. Some of the things that uh, I've just kind of taken for granted, like oh yeah, we all know. Uh, this and I, I'm not I can't think of anything in particular at the moment but like I'll, I'll just think like I'll say something and it's something I've said so many times and it's something that other people have said so many times and then the question comes back to me well why is it like that and I'm like well and then I start to answer it and I go really wow this is such a basic question I've got to go back and find verses to 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 really fill this in things that I've not had to answer in a long, long time, but people are so inquisitive. It's, it's really good, but you can have that same thing with your children. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to, um, uh, to, to know everything. I mean, you know, the Bible is a very large book, uh, to begin with. And, um, I always love it when people come up to me and they'll just give me a reference as if I know the entire Bible. And I, you know, I don't know that reference. They're like, well, Leviticus chapter 15, you know what it says there. And I'm like, no, actually, I don't know what it says there. Um, but, you know, when your kids see that and they know, 
oh yeah well i mean dad doesn't know it, but man we're studying this together we're it, it, it gets exciting for everybody um I, I really think that it's it's good sometimes to not have all the answers and your kids see you as human yeah and, and they look up to you for that too yeah there's a humility there and an approachability there i think and i think the key is you know when we have those kind of situations that come up whether we're talking about a bible study or we're talking about our you know our family personal devotions etc when we have you know what about this well you know i'm not exactly sure on that one let's go to the bible let's see what the bible has to say about that and let's do a, a search uh about this topic in a concordance or what have you what what verses talk about this subject and then we can learn together and i think that's a like a, like you said that's a really good approach to maintaining the humility and uh just the sense of you know we can do this we can learn together as a family maybe that takes a little bit of the pressure off of us too i think uh as as leading that effort what do y'all think i think so um i think a lot of it has to do with often we just don't feel like we're ready um you know, there's a sense of, well, I want to be ready before I do this. I want to be ready for it. Uh, you know, you play hide and seek with your children and you count to 10 and you say, ready or not, here I come. Well, they started it because almost every dad, when he heard that first child was coming, he didn't say, hey, I get to be a dad. No, he's thinking I'm going to be a what? Well, you know, the child has essentially said, ready or not, here I come. So they're on their way before we ever really feel like we're ready or not. But it's interesting. You think about some of God's best leaders. Moses didn't feel ready when God said, lead my people out of Egypt. Jeremiah didn't feel ready. He said, Lord, I'm, I'm just a child. The apostles didn't feel ready when Jesus washed their feet and broke their hearts and then said, where I go, you cannot come. They, Lord, why can't we come with you? They did not feel ready to carry out what was before them. But ready or not, their duties were calling. And God had given each of them the tools for their duties. He'd given the apostles the Holy Spirit. He gave Jeremiah his words in Jeremiah's mouth, Jeremiah 1.9. And he gave Moses not only the the wonders, but the works, the words, and the worker to accomplish what needed to accomplish. And the same is true for us. We we never feel like we're ready. And that's one of the things that can be so hard about getting started. But God's given us the tools. He's given us his word. And that's really all we need. We can open up that book and study from it. And if we'll use the kind of humility that Matt was just describing, that we were just discussing, and use the tool that God's given, that's all we need. That's that's a great point. Um, let's go ahead and get into our next question. And uh, that is, what are some common pitfalls to starting and committing to and keeping up with a family Bible time? And so I kind of like to just maybe go through our list, maybe one at a time. Uh, I'll start with one of mine. I, I think one of the big reasons that people don't commit to something like this is apathy, um, carelessness. Uh, just not caring enough to do it and not being intentional about it and going about it uh, from a step-by-step -step approach of, okay, let's get a plan. Let's uh, do this every night. Uh, let's say that we're going to do it at this time and we're not going to miss. Uh, it better be a good reason if we miss. So somebody's sick, somebody's in the hospital, right? We're going to commit to this. I think there's an apathy in many cases where people are just not willing to do that. Uh, would you all agree with that? And then maybe we can go into some other pitfalls as well. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, um, I really, I didn't have that on my list anywhere, but yeah, that that's definitely a, a big one. Apathy, just like, eh, eh, you know, everything's all right. We're all, we're all okay. We're doing okay. You know, uh, kind of a, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of an attitude, but um, when it could be better, you know, that I'd rather be, uh, driving, I don't know, like a classic, you know, 67 Camaro, then a Pinto. Pinto might get me around maybe, but, you know, I'd rather have the nice car. Um, now to add to this, I think a lot of people don't start because they are being a closet perfectionist. Now I heard about this, uh, from somebody else. I did not come up with this. Uh, but basically, it's the idea of 
you can't do something perfectly so you don't do it at all and and so people sometimes they do that they go well i'm just not going to do a great job i'm not going to be the best at this and so because i can't be the best i'm just going to start i'm going to let myself down and so they don't do that now i've got a phrase that i tell myself every now and then and because like i i'll want to do that with something and i'll i'll work on something for a while and then uh, i'll want it to be just perfect and then sometimes i just have to tell myself you know what matt done is sometimes better than perfect you know sometimes you just have to do it and details are going to be filled in later um and we have to remember that when we're doing these you know bible time there is no exact right way to do this the only right thing to do is to teach your children the truth uh so you know there's a myriad of ways that this can be done and uh so don't don't be a closet perfection mm-hmm. i think you, matt hits on something where you're really pointing out two extremes you've got the apathy that chase described you've got the the perfectionism that Matt described and with that perfectionism can come sort of an overextending. Uh, you, you're afraid of messing up. You're afraid you're going to stumble. You're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing. You're afraid you're going to get aggravated. Well, guess what, dad is going to happen. Just count on it. I mean, go ahead and be prepared, but those can be teaching moments. Those moments of frustration, those moments of aggravation, when, it's sort of like we discussed earlier with them seeing that you don't always have the answer. You have to look some things up. Also, let them see you grow as you try to teach them. See your reactions change, your patience develop. And that's when they're going to know from experience that God's word changes lives, that God's word makes people better, that that the the dad we have now is not the dad we had when we started because we're doing this. But that that fear of overextending. Not everyone learns by diving in the deep end. Not everyone has to be that closet perfectionist. Sometimes it's a matter of getting our feet wet, just stepping into the water, uh, starting with what's manageable and letting it develop. Uh, and connected to that, and it's connected to that perfectionism Matt described as being overly rigid, whereas the apathetic person may have no real schedule or plan and just say, well, we're going to talk about this or we're going to do that. Someone that's overly rigid can uh, can fail to realize that not every night is a slow Tuesday. Yeah. There are going to be unforeseen events. There are going to be unavoidable circumstances. And our children are all different. So we got to be flexible with the schedule, with the children. They don't all learn at the same pace. We can take the Bible seriously without taking ourselves too seriously. Um, And I believe all of that really works into the extremes between the apathy and the closet perfectionism. Great point. I think also we don't need to uh, fall into the trap of, of being too prideful to tell our wives and children, you know what, I'm sorry. I've uh, I've made a mistake. I, I did something wrong. We need to be willing to uh, man up and and do that when we when we do mess up and and there's going to be some trial and error and we're going to make some mistakes. Uh, if we're not making any mistakes, it's because we're not doing anything. And uh, of course, we are doing something, whether we uh, whether it appears so or not. We're still doing something. If we're not doing much, we're doing something. <laughs> so so. Uh, if we're making mistakes, then our children need to see, okay, dad messed up, but you know what? Dad said that he was sorry and uh, he's doing better now. And hopefully that's going to teach them to do the same when, when they inevitably mess up as well. Um, I've got another exactly. one uh, that is uh, maybe there's a laziness if we're being honest sometimes, or maybe there's just a, well, I'm legitimately just plain tired, I've had a long work day. And uh, I just want to go in, eat some dinner, uh, maybe relax for a minute and then hit the shower and go to sleep. Right. Sometimes we feel that way. But um, being too tired to add, you know, well, we just got to add one more thing to our list before we go to bed at night. I really just feel too, too tired to do that. That's not really an excuse. Um, We've got to make a way. We've got to figure out. Uh, this is, this is priority number one, hopefully in our families is helping them get to heaven. So we've got to figure out a way to, to get it done. Y- y'all have any thoughts on that? 
Well, in terms of being too tired, if you're really exhausted when you come in from work and you have dinner and you sit down with your family to do something, if they see you dozing while you watch a movie together, they know that you really enjoy the movie, but you're exhausted and you doze. If they see you dozing while or or so tired that you can barely throw a baseball when you're outside with the children, but, but you're just so exhausted that you don't have any velocity. Well, they know that you enjoy throwing baseball. You're just tired. And it's all right if even dad during Bible time has eyes that are so heavy that sometimes he looks up and says, what did I just say? It's better for them to see you so exhausted but still so focused on teaching God's word that you're going to do it despite exhaustion. Uh, then for them to see you say, well, I'm too tired for that, but I can still do this or that or this or that while I'm tired. Um, so the, <laughs> I'll go ahead and admit there have been times when I had to look at my family and say, what did I just say? Uh, my mouth was moving. My eyes were open, but the rest of me was asleep. It happens. Um but I would much rather them see the the commitment to teaching God's word despite exhaustion than allowing fatigue to be an excuse. Maybe that to add to that, and maybe this is just the uh, old school side of me coming out, but get over yourself, man. <laughs> We're having a problem. Um, who's leading this family? You know, uh, just just cowboy it up. Just get it done. And, um, you know, you, yeah, there are times when you're tired, but like I, I fully, you know, focus on the fact that if anybody, anybody in the family is going to be doing double duty here, you know, if somebody, somebody has got to work harder than anybody else, you know, I better be dad. That's, that's the way I look at it. And, um, so if you are tired when you come home from work, whatever that is, and, uh, you know, just uh, just look self in the mirror and be like, well, am I a man or not? And then if you want to call yourself a man, then, then go and do a man's job and and go go and take care of that. Uh, so, yeah, I think about that. And then uh, I guess maybe to, to add to some of these um, ideas here that like the age ranges, you know, can vary and just keeping people's attention. Like, you know, talking about Scott, like everybody being tired, like you have like various age ranges. Like I've got, I've got a five-year-old up to a 14-year-old. I've got five kids. Um, I cannot speak the same way I do to all of them. Well, keeping all of their attention at the same time can be a difficult thing. And if you've got an age range like that or greater, um, that, that can be difficult, but that's not a reason to not do it. Right. Absolutely. Speaking on that exhaustion idea, just something else to think about. You know, we're, we're, we're not talking about dads that are all preachers. We're not talking about dads that are all uh, they've all been through some sort of collegiate training so they can be able to teach the Bible. We're talking about dads who are of all sorts of backgrounds. And there are times when dad really feels like he needs to put in some preliminary study before he can sit down and teach. And there are days when he's worked 12, 14, maybe even 16 hours in some of the jobs that our uh, our fellow dads have. And on those kind of days when dad comes in and he's worn out, exhausted, maybe he needs to have a backup plan in terms of, hey, guys, tonight's a night for a review. Tonight's a night just to work on some memory work. It doesn't always have to be about dad presenting something brand new. Uh, there are times when the we mentioned earlier, be flexible with the schedule, be flexible with the children, be flexible with yourself, Pop. There are times when it's just a matter of saying, hey, let's let's work on some memory work. Let's review what we discussed last night. Let's have a prayer. Let's get some rest. But you can still make sure that the priority is on God and godly things. Uh, even if it's abbreviated because of exhaustion, there's still a way to approach it. Right. And you've got other resources too, like, um, Apologetics Press. You could like pull up an article and like something that you've already looked at and, and read through it with the kids. You could watch videos on World Video Bible School. GBNTV.org has, um, has some material for teenagers and, and children. Um, available on on their website. So yeah, like you could do something else. You don't have to be providing all of the teaching because yeah, you might need to spend a little bit more time in study. 
that might be something you need to do. And so you're not uh, prepared to uh, do this every single night. So yeah, good, good point, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one more thing, and then we'll move on to our last question. But uh, another thing is uh, maybe conflict with other events, uh, school events, uh, after school activities, sports, things like that. Now, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but, you know, you might have to eliminate some things. You might not need to play four different sports per kid, right? <laughs> so uh, whatever the case may be, um, eliminate whatever needs to be eliminated from your plate so that you can properly um, add in a family Bible time uh, as well. So, Chase, uh, I think there's a question that can be asked on that, and it's, can I sincerely thank God for this activity that has taken priority over Bible time? Can I tell God, thank you for this ball game that has interfered with the time we could have spent in the Bible or this movie, this hunting trip or or this visit with friends? And that's something else. You know, things that interfere can be travel when staying in someone else's home or spending extensive hours on the road uh, or we have others in our homes. Uh are we going to allow those things to interfere or will we invite our hosts or our guests to sit down with our family and say, hey, it's time for us to do our Bible time. You all are welcome to join us. We hope you will. But it's time for us to get started. Yeah. Um, and th there's something else that's that's worth mentioning here. And it's the frustration that can come up with children and with parents. Uh in the beginning, deal with this in a positive way. Realize that they've not chosen this. They're being instructed to do this. And you're doing it because you know it's right. Hopefully, Dad, if you've not been doing this, you've repented in front of them. But if they're children, then they don't understand the need for it as much as you do. So be positive with them. Even if they get frustrated, be patient. Now, if they persist in being frustrated and negative, then that may, may involve punishment, but it needs to be the kind of punishment that's the removal of privileges. Um, there's a place for that spare the rod, and there's a place for that use of the rod. But if every time they think of Bible time, they only think of sore bottoms, then, then they're going to have a resentment toward it. Yes, there's a place for a, a spanking, absolutely positively. Uh, but be mindful of what we're instilling as we try to get them accustomed to this. And dads, let's face it, there's there's a possibility that past shortcomings on dad's part have contributed to longstanding resentment within the children. Maybe dad has has been abusive before, or maybe dad has just been verbally abusive. Maybe dad has been apathetic and they've adopted those mindsets at a young age. If this is the case, be humble, admit mistakes, let them see tears in your eyes and regret over what you have done and who you were and demonstrate the proper changes and let them have the time to come around while at the same time sticking to your guns about doing the Bible time. But frustration can be a huge part of it. Dads too. Uh, when dad gets frustrated because they're, they're not behaving, well, that frustration needs to be carried out in a godly way rather than an ungodly one. Otherwise we've done more harm than good, but all of these are things that can definitely impact uh, getting started and continuing with what we're trying to do. I, I feel you, Scott, because uh, I've got young children, so I can I can attest to the fact that there is some frustration that goes along with this, but uh, we're working at it. So appreciate those thoughts for sure. Um, just real quick before we move on to our last point, I'm convinced that this is absolutely crucial, guys. There's a reason why we're we're putting this forth as our first season's theme, family Bible time. I think that our chances of raising godly children. I think they plummet if we don't do this. Uh, there's no way around it. You can't replace regular interactions with God's word in the family with, well, we'll we had them at Bible class uh, twice a week. No, you can't. I mean, that's great. That should be supplemental, but you cannot replace regular family interactions around God's word and prayer and even singing, which, which I kind of want to bring up uh, in our last episode. Um, but just kind of a preview of what's coming up. But uh, we cannot underestimate the value of family Bible time with our families. Question. Did we did we talk about what Alan Hires found? I don't think so. So Alan Hires was a judge. 
and uh, for many years, and he he worked with the youth uh, as far as sentencing and stuff. So he's judging young people, and so he went and uh, he did kind of like a little bit of a survey, to see uh, who like what religious group would be the the best group of, of people keeping their kids out of the you know jail systems and stuff and the juvenile systems and um uh he found that like i mean you'd, you'd probably be like oh yeah i'd like to say that it's the church uh but it was the jews and and he um if you if you talk to him about it i, I haven't heard this in a long time so i may be getting some of the details wrong but he was talking about how um every friday night uh jews sit down as a family and have stated and and um they they would do they do something every friday night where they would actually spend time uh speaking about the law so that's an interesting concept i think that leads right over to what we're talking about you know same thing we're going to sit down as family we're going to help keep our kids on like that for sure yeah it's it's got to be prioritized so uh Last last question. We want to look at some practical pointers for uh, family Bible time. This can be anything. What do y'all have uh, practical pointers for uh, getting involved in our families, uh, keeping our children interested, uh, tips maybe for different ages of children, uh, tip for wives, you know, tips for wives and including them, because that's important also. I know we haven't covered that a whole lot. The focus is more on fatherhood, but but we got to be godly husbands as well and and keep our wives involved. Uh, Bible memorization, singing, prayer, what do y'all have? Uh, maybe some pointers for how we can improve our family Bible times. Matt? Okay, yeah. Um, so a couple of things. Um, I, I think, so I got this one from my brother-in-law. This is good. Uh, uh, John McCormick, I don't know if you know him, but um, he uh, he introduced me to doing like a 21-question style Bible time kind of a who am i in the bible so like you do a bible character you just pick somebody like moses and then they have to ask questions to figure out who you are uh so there's going to be some uh initial study that they're going to have to be involved in before you get to that point with some of your children that younger not being able to do as much but just kind of go around the room and say you know ask a question they'll be like um is your character in the old testament or new testament you know some of those can be tricky, you know, especially like Moses. But um, um, you, you think about uh, just questions, asking questions, you know, who am I or what am I, a Bible event, place, or, you know, thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, it's It's been pretty nice. We've done it on a few occasions. And so I like that. Um, and then also, I guess, along with that, um, I think that, you know, doing the memorization is really good. Uh, and I started trying to do this a little bit more. Uh, and that is that when I'm writing my sermons, uh, of course, this is more for preachers at this point. Uh, but while I'm writing my sermons, uh, I'm trying to write them earlier and I'm giving everyone a Bible verse to memorize from my sermon. And so, um, of course, you know, Psalm 119.11, now that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So that that's, you know, great. We need to be doing that. We need to be hiding the word in our heart. So that's initially that's the, the first thing. But they get to focus on it all week. And it helps me to hear it when they're memorizing because like I want them to be uh, quoting it to me throughout the week. And then um, their faces light up whenever I mention that Bible verse and I start, you know, quoting it or reading it off. Um they they light up and the older kids start mouthing along with you like oh yeah I, I know this verse and so that's been pretty nice um i like that yeah so um you know maybe for fathers who are not preachers that are listening to that um maybe something that your preacher said recently you can kind of incorporate that in uh for topic of discussion um one of my tips i have is that we need to make sure and try to try to set a schedule i mean again don't be over overly rigid because things are going to come up. You've got to be flexible, but I'll give you kind of an, an example schedule. So our family Bible time on Sundays and Wednesdays uh, with church services having already been conducted, what we'll do is kind of an abbreviated family Bible time on those nights. 
with, uh, you know, we'll have prayer. We will uh, maybe do a review game or something like that and maybe sing a couple of songs. But then uh, also kind of similar on Monday nights because we do a weekly uh, Monday night study in various members' homes. But maybe on Tuesday, well, let's do a uh, word study from Proverbs. Let's pick a topic in Proverbs and, and study that, that topic, that word, uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, maybe Thursday night, it's well, we're going to do a service project. We're going to make some cards for the shut-ins tonight and, and talk about that and how that applies uh, in God's word. Friday night, we're going to have a singing night. You know, of course, we're going to have our prayer. We're going we're gonna to maybe talk about a couple of things. But what we're going to talk about is some of these songs that we're going to sing tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, then maybe uh, maybe Saturday you have a, a question and answers review game or, or some other kind of teaching game from God's Word. And your schedule might be completely different than what I just described. But the point is, try to try to come up with something. Uh, maybe you don't have uh, different uh, different themes for every night of the week. Maybe you you're just going to do the same thing every night for your Bible time for a while, and then you'll switch it up in a few months. That's great too. But the point is, try to get a plan, try to get a schedule uh, when you can, and that'll help kind of keep things on track. Y'all have thoughts on that, and then maybe a, a couple other tips. Uh, the the nightly themes are are great. Um, I believe it was Brother Glenn Colley that had mentioned that, and uh, one of his books, and uh, we'd use that for quite some time, and. Uh, Sunday was a sermon review. Monday was memory work. Tuesday was New Testament. Wednesday was we care, putting together cards and uh, mailings to birthdays or six uh, sick individuals. Thursday was Old Testament. Friday was fun night where we had games that were a review and it was a blast. Uh, let them have candy. That was a treat. Saturday was song night. Uh, so that works for, for dads that feel overwhelmed by the very thought. There's actually a program that some of our brethren have produced. It was produced by Brother Paul Savage years ago called Family Bible Hour. And it's worth looking up. Uh, the last I knew, Brother Mike Glenn uh, still uh, holds the copyright for it and is able to uh, get you in touch with the material, but family Bible hour, and it's a booklet that comes with instructions and uh, it, very, very beneficial and helpful. And it can be used at a family level and at a congregational level if the congregation's up for it. But uh, that's just a, a tool that can, that can aid uh, other approaches. Of course, Matt mentioned the preacher uh, helping families with the sermon plan. This year at Forest Hill, we are reading through the New Testament five chapters a week. So it's a chapter each day of the week, uh, each weekday. uh, And the sermons are coming from those chapters. Well, it was just intended to be a matter of helping the congregation uh, be reading through the New Testament together. But Parents have uh, approached saying, oh, we're doing this with our with our children and their children are ages three, two and one uh, or less. And they're looking through these events and accounts together and just excited about it. So uh, if if you as a preacher or if you as a member want to approach your preacher about giving a plan that can help, whether it's just one verse or a series of chapters so that you can be familiar with the material that does get people involved. Um a chapter of Proverbs each night. Uh, I will always recommend that because that has been life changing for our household uh, or something that uh, that stands prominent for you. Maybe your family has gone through an extensive amount of tragedy and you need something that would greatly encourage. Spend some time in the Psalms and then go back through the Psalms and see if that doesn't help. Uh, a couple of uh, a word of warning. Be cautious about only doing topical studies and always just jumping from here to there through the Bible. That can be appropriate at certain ages, but before long, they need to be able to understand these verses in the proper context. Otherwise, they're going to be like so many of our brethren make the mistake of being and just taking verses completely out of context and not understanding how they really fit into the Bible. If we work through the scriptures with our children, then they can see these verses that they've heard from sermons and heard in Bible classes, but they can see how they fit in the overall context of the Bible and have a far better grasp of God's word than what they're going to get if they always and only hear it topically. And for what it's worth, 
When you move through the Bible that way, you get to cover the topics as frequently as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost determined to cover them. Uh, another thought and something that our family has started doing this year, uh, our children are at an age where we're trying to get them more familiar with being able to present information. We've worked our way through the Bible several times. And so this year, the assignment is each night of the week, a different member of the family is going to present a Devo. Those devos can be anywhere from five minutes to when you get ready to hush. Uh, but uh, in putting together the devos, uh, they are they're learning sermon preparation work. Uh, they're learning how to present. They're learning some of their nervous tics and working through those. Uh, but you know, of course, that's for children that are of a certain age. Just different approaches for different families, different ages, whatever fits for your family. Be ambitious, but not to the point of choking yourself and have fun with it. Make it fun. Yep. Yeah. Make it something that the kids look forward to. Yeah. I, you know, Scott kind of uh, helped me out with thinking about something, but um, uh, I don't know if y'all have used any Wendell Winkler's um, study materials. He's got all these um, shorter books. I don't know if it's in all of them, but I remember seeing this. I pulled it off my shelf, but um, in the Tell Me the Story of Jesus, it's a study of the gospel accounts. He does, at the beginning of every um, lesson, he gives um, a family devotional schedule, um, kind of like what you know Scott was talking about with his sermons. So that's something else to use, you know, things like that. I'm sure there's probably more stuff out there like that. But when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, I need to, I need to do that. Yeah. That's uh, that's great. I appreciate y'all mentioning both both of those resources. I'm always trying to find things out to do that will will help uh, improve our family Bible time. I've got just a couple more to recommend, and and then we'll have to end for for this month's episode. But get specific rather than generic. And what I mean by that is, don't do the old. Well, let's just open the Bible and and see where it lands. <laughs> don't do that. That is the worst way uh, you could possibly treat God's word. First of all, that's not much ref- reverence for for uh, actually uh, trying to to uh, emphasize proper context and things like like Scott was mentioning. But uh, there's no plan to that whatsoever, and uh, that's that's just not good. Um, always include at least one song in a prayer is is what I would like to encourage. Um, I know that uh, singing especially can can cause some uh, some awkwardness and some trepidation, uh, but we can do that, you know, and, and I want to talk about that in our next episode a little bit, but also uh, don't forget to close it out with a prayer or maybe open it uh, with a prayer as well. Um, don't forget to include your wives. Make sure that you include them, uh, have them ask questions, have them, uh, you know, round the kiddos up and try to, uh, encourage, hey, it's time to get ready for Bible time and kind of amp it up a little bit and and get the kids excited. And um, she can help you kind of keep them, especially the younger ones like I'm dealing with, keep them in line uh, while you're you're teaching, things like that. And uh, try to uh, look for ways that you can um, hit some topics that's going to be helpful for her too. Not Not just the kids, but also your wife. So don't forget to include your wife. Very important. And Chase, about- I would say encourage her input as well. There yeah. are going to be times when you've presented uh, a lesson and something clicks with her that's never going to click with your testosterone overloaded head. Yep. And it's going to be something that will absolutely connect with those babies that she loves, uh, be applicable to their lives. And it's probably going to help you grow in an understanding of her as well. So definitely encourage her input and to the absolutely. point of looking at her and saying, what would you add? Right. What did I miss? Yep. Uh, what else can we say about that? that? That's a great point as well. And then the last thing I have is uh, just be honest, communicate uh, struggles that are, that are going to come up within the family, worldview stuff, you know, uh, Christian evidences stuff, uh, things that we're seeing in an increasingly godless society all around us and things that are going to come up. Maybe they've heard something at school. Uh, talk about it. Communicate it. Uh, go to God's word on those particular uh, subjects and say, look, this is what God's word says. This is what so-and-so did. That was wrong. 
uh, we want to encourage you to do the right thing. Don't do what what happened in that circumstance. Or it might be something that's all over the news. You know, um, as we're recording this, the Grammys was a couple weeks ago, and just just terrible, horrible things were were put on the television screens uh, for millions of viewers. But you know, hey, this happened on TV the other night. Let's talk about that. That that is uh, a slap in the face. Uh, to our holy God that we serve, and and we we want to make sure that that we don't encourage those things, we don't watch those things, uh, etc. So uh, that's basically all we wanted to cover for for this week's or this month's uh, episode. This is again season one, episode four, which means that we have one more episode. It will come out, Lord willing, on May first. So uh, make sure and be ready for that on May first, and uh, we hope that you will tune in next time to the Father Time Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.